Knock, knock. Who's there? Cock torturer. Cock torturer who? Well, the cock torturer is coming for all of you. November 13th, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on all formats of pay-per-view and on internet pay-per-view via the Fight app. Talking Shopamania 2. Rise of the Cock Dodger! <laughs> now part of the All Everything Entertainment Podcasting Network. Working Fans Podcast, cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at Fans Working. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have that's working fans wrestling pod at gmail.com we're on instagram where you can keep up with us at working fans wrestling underscore pod and then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including anchor.fm we're on google podcasts spotify breaker overcast Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Guys, I want to take a second to tell you about All Everything Entertainment. They are your home for the latest breaking news and opinions about sports, wrestling, and entertainment. From jock to geek and everyone in between, they will definitely have something for you. As I'm recording this, they have 10 live weekly podcasts that can be watched daily on Facebook, YouTube, or alleverythingentertainment.com. The replays are available on their Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, or iTunes channels. Their shows run the gamut as they talk about the NFL, NBA, NHL, Football, movies, bi-weekly top 10 countdowns, paranormal activity, wrestling, WWE, AEW, NJPW, UFC, Bellator, and so much more. These guys, they're just like you. They're passionate individuals who love a variety of subjects. And that's why they started this company in May of 2019 to kind of be a one-stop shop for entertainment. On September 11th, 2020, they made arguably their biggest signing by agreeing to terms with yours truly, the Working Fans Podcast. I was out of work sick, and I was happy to join them as a part of their team. You can find them on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube by searching All Everything Entertainment or go to alleverythingentertainment.com for their full schedule and a full list of their shows. If you like us, you will 100% like them. Thank you. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs, 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up 
F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs, at F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, like, survive the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave and AJ Strange Brew. AJ, it's another debate. And today, I got Flair and Funk versus rock in austin we're gonna talk about what the bigger feud is you got flair and funk Woo! tell me about it why does that feud mean more uh it means more i can tell you to me because it is the beginning of extreme wrestling mm. i don't think you get to ecw level i don't think you get to the attitude era of the 1990s i don't believe you get to any of that if you don't have Flair and Funk first, between the bag over the head mm-hmm. and trying to suffocate them, between the pile driver through the table, or trying to go through the table, is one of the most vicious ones I've ever seen not go through a table, I don't think you ever get to Rock and Austin without Flair and Funk first. I believe that it's the foreground, the forefather of extreme wrestling on a whole. So you've got companies like ECW, You've got companies like CBW, all that extreme wrestling that people end up loving over the next 30 to 40 years is all starting with the catalyst that is 1989 and 1990 Funk versus Flair. I will say that although I liked Terry when I was younger, and obviously I was younger in 89 too, but that was when I really started to appreciate how good Terry Funk was. Well, I think Terry Funk also genuinely scared the crap out of people. He was so good on the mic. He was so different than anything. Like, he was good when I saw him first in the WWF at the time, but he wasn't anything like that he was in 89. And honestly, that might have been kind of like, it was interesting because he was getting kind of, he was kind of, you know, he was just getting further and further out there. But it was so good. He was so good at it. Well, it might also be his dance partner. He got to wrestle Ric Flair in 1989 compared to most of his matches when he came in in the WWF before that were either in tag matches or against uh, JYD. Sure, or Hogan. I mean, he made them all look good, though. But. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting to see Terry at that time. The I Quit match where he's slapping Flair and he's sticking the mic in his face and he's yelling at him, you remember your neck, Flair. You remember your neck. It's different. It's a different kind of intensity. That being said, Rock and Austin, you know, definitely had an intensity. I remember hearing, like, before WrestleMania 15 was their first match where uh, Rock said something to him, like, under his breath, like, Man, can you believe we're doing this? And Austin just like punched him in the mouth. Shut up! And they just started going at it, you know? So, I respect that. They're both feuds are super intense. Obviously, two of the biggest feuds of all time. There's no doubt Rock and Austin meant more box office. But that was also because wrestling is so hot at that time period. It's interesting because 
Obviously, you know, you got Flair and Funk. And I will say, I mean, these feuds are kind of a toss-up. But me, personally, and I'm not trying to argue for you, I just, what holds up the bet? better time i find myself going back and i like looking at flair and funk more maybe that's just because i like i was a kid in that thing you know maybe other people might like rock and austin if you were an attitude era kid but you know the thing is is that some people would argue that austin and rock lasted longer because it did go over more years as the rivalry that's true but i don't think people actually remember it that way I think people remember the Flair-Funk rivalry as because of its intensity as being a longer stretch of rivalry. But, but it wasn't. And Flair and uh, Funk were not rivals in the 70s. They did not work the same territories most of the time. The Funks were typically in Amarillo and Tampa. You had Flair primarily in Charlotte and then working spot shows around. It was not a rivalry that actually really was big until that one year in 1989. Okay. Whereas you have Austin, Austin and Rock were basically rivals from the moment they both took off until Austin couldn't wrestle anymore. It's interesting, too, is like when you look at how, in a vacuum, how great all four of these guys are on the mic. To me, there isn't a more charismatic performer than The Rock. That being said, that doesn't necessarily mean he's the best interview out of this group um, I do think the charisma and interviews are different but there's not a bad interview in the bunch I just feel like to me man Flair is clearly my number one interview here but then it's interesting I, I depends what you like right I'm actually going to put Austin at four and I got rock and funk kind of bad I know this is kind of a sidebar but rock and funk who's a better interview in your opinion yeah well here's the thing Austin I put him at number also, but the reason why I put him at number four is because it wasn't necessarily his charisma, it was more of what he was saying. Sure. Whereas with The Rock, it wasn't always necessarily what he was saying, it was more his charisma, his natural charisma. So almost like a Husky Rhodes to me. And then Funk, it was what he was saying and his charisma. Mm hmm. And so I actually put Funk in my number two spot. I know people are going to disagree with that. I know there's going to be people out there that are going to be like, oh, come on, it's the fucking rock. <laughs> and, and, and that's fine. But Terry Funk, like I said, when I was a kid, legitimately scared me. Mm-hmm. When he came down with uh, um, Brandon Iron, when he came down with other things, I thought he literally was going to kill someone. Man, I mean, I, I kind of, my Mount Rushmore, I kind of have Flair, Dusty, Funk, but... I know, it's kind of funny, right? The Rock is right there, too. But there's some other guys we could put on that list, but we'll get we'll get sidetracked. I don't want to do that. At the end of the day, you know, like I said, what meant more, you know, it's very arguable. But we're going to take it to the people. And, now, let me, well, let me tell you what's going to happen with the people. What's yeah. going to happen with the people, and this is just my opinion. I could be wrong. I could be misleading the people. Yeah. I, I am not the people's champion, so I do not know this. <laughs> I am Randy Oscar's champion, but I am not the people's champion. Okay. I believe that the majority of our listeners are in that attitude error, and most of them are going to go rock and Austin. Well, I actually only act as a select few people for this. Five. If you only ask people in our age bracket, I'm sorry, Rock and Austin, you're going to lose. They, well, these people aren't on our age group. They're a little younger. But they definitely remember that Flair Austin period. 
uh, a flare funk period. And so in the irony of this, only four people got back to me, but we have a win. It's three to one. And <laughs> it's for Flair Funk. They, they took it. So, so who were the four people? So there you go. This is going to make you laugh. The one person who voted against you was Randy Oscar, <laughs> who never votes against you. <laughs> but he does seem like he's more towards the Attitude Era. Yeah, he was. Scott, who's a little closer to our age, and then Jake and Flynn. Flynn's a little younger. Okay, now, that, but... now here's the problem. I think you're struggling with what our age group is. Even though they were a couple years younger than us in school, sure. unfortunately for them, they are in our age group. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, I do agree with you. I think if we actually, let's say we polled a thousand people, you know, and most of them are probably mixing. I mean, a lot of people are just going to say rock in Austin because it was just, yeah, it meant more headlines. But I don't have a problem with giving you the W on this one because secretly I put <laughs> Flair and Funk to win. So I know you did. Yeah, I did. I could tell, I could tell when we were deciding who was going to have what topic, and I said it. You're like, oh crap. Yeah, <laughs> but I want to give you this one because I'm saving, I'm saving a good one to like <laughs> make sure I get the W on one night. So. But the funny thing is, is I thought I was going to be debating the harder side. I really did. Yeah, and I so, thought, but there, I thought more people were going to go the other way. Yeah, but. I definitely think they would, but, uh, you know, for me, man, nothing really matches this. I mean, <laughs> full disclosure. Funk and Flair changed the way, like I said, Funk and Flair changed the way we looked at wrestling. Yeah, this is one and of my favorite rivalries of all time, to be honest. So. Well, also, what was acceptable, and Funk did that a lot by himself also, whether it was the stuff that he did with Lawler, whether it was his fights with Abdul the Butcher and stuff of that nature, yeah. Kevin Sullivan down in Florida. Funk was one of those people, and it was more of that style that he brought into the flair. We hadn't seen that in mainstream. Fans, welcome back for another week of the 531, where we take our top five list on a particular subject, vote it down to a top three, and then debate that top three down to a top one. And much like last week's list, this week, still on vacation, still deep in the trees, but I'm bringing you this list because me and Dave are dedicated as fuck. Yeah. And our list this week are the top five WWF matches. And Dave, this is almost a subject that's near and dear to our hearts because we grew up on the WWF, WWE, predominantly up in the Northeast. 100%, man. This is the first promotion I ever knew about. You know, I found out about NWA, AWA later, you know, World Class, UWF Mid-South. I found out all that stuff later. But the first thing I ever saw was WWF. And my earliest memories of it, I always tell people this, is Bob Backlund putting a chicken wing on Big John Stutt. Nice. And that definitely gives you a time frame of when you were watching around, too. Yeah. For me, it was... Hogan, Hogan Warrior was probably the first big match I remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember Hogan and Big Boss Man in the Blue Cage. Mm-hmm. It was definitely that early Hogan era stuff. 
Yeah. A lot of my pay-per-view watching came from videotapes that I would rent from the store, so I can't really pinpoint the year. I vaguely remember the early glow on TV. That gave me a weird sour view of women's wrestling at first. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. I did not like Glow when I was a kid. Um, 84 was definitely the year I was seriously into it. Like I said, early memories of back when Chicken Wing, but what really got me hooked, and I've said this before to people too, was Rowdy Piper breaking the coconut on Jimmy Snooker's head, and also Hulk Hogan winning the world title from Iron Sheik. That was all around the same year. All right, yeah. Now, the first list I'm going to bring you this week is from my brother, who I finally remember to get a list from. Mm. And he had Taker versus Shawn Michaels, Mania 25. Brett versus Owen, Mania 10. He had Taker versus Mankind from Hell in a Cell. He had Bailey versus Sasha from TakeOver Brooklyn. And he had Brett versus Shawn from Survivor Series 97. What will be interesting on these lists is you will almost see, I'm pretty sure, on everybody's list, Someone's going to have a Bret Hart match. Oh, yeah. It's going to be just off the top of my head from what I wrote down. It's like Bret Sean, Bret Austin, mm-hmm. Bret Owen. Bret Bulldog. It shows you kind of how he was in that sweet spot of a lot of our WWF fandom. He really was. He was the best worker of the time. And I think if a lot of us fans that are probably hooked on wrestling and got the bug on wrestling and really enjoy the actual in-ring work, especially in this area, are all probably at some point got hooked on Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah, the excellence of execution, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Mm. Preach. There's good wrestlers still coming along, but for a while he definitely embodied that, where like him, Perfect, Shawn Michaels, those were kind of like three of the top-notch workers of the time. 100%. I'm going to go right into Scott's list just because you said that. He's got Bret Hart, Austin, WrestleMania 13, HBK Taker, Mania 25, Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage, Mania 3, Austin Rock, Mania 17, and he's got the TLC match, Mania 17. Really nice variety by Scott here with all the technical wrestlers, but also seeing guys like Austin Rock in here and the spot shows like TLC and a little bit of that contrast where HBK was great in the ring, but, you know, Taker, a great big man. So really nice list here by Scott. Now, the next list I'm going to bring you from dedicated listener Jesse from New Hampshire, and he's got Rock versus Austin, WrestleMania 17, mm. Hogan versus Warrior, WrestleMania 6, Savage versus Steamboat, WrestleMania 3. He's got the Triangle Ladder match from WrestleMania 2000, and then he has both Taker versus Shawn matches, so that'd be Mania's 25 and 26. 100%. Good, solid list. You can tell the time period he was in. With that triangle uh, 2000, I feel like that's probably his era of wrestling. Good shit. Yeah, that's his golden era, probably just outside of our era. Mm-hmm. He's 10 years younger than me, so you can tell he's got a deep appreciation for the classics, but obviously still has the bad newer match in there as well. I'm going to throw a list out here from our man Zach St. John. He's got the 92 Rumble on there. Without a doubt, that's, my opinion, the greatest Rumble of all time still. That's where Ric Flair wins the world title. Awesome performance. He's got Bret Hart and Steve Austin, WrestleMania 13. He's got HBK versus Taker, but from Hell in a Cell. So we're going back to 97 there, the early uh, stuff. We got Jericho versus HBK, No Mercy 2008. That's a ladder match. That is Jericho's best heel work ever. He punched 
Shawn Michaels' wife in the face, folks. I can't put this over enough. I've told the story, I think, on a podcast before. I think I overheard Jericho say this on his. That basically there was a show where he was in an elevator and a father and a kid. The kid wanted Jericho's autograph and Jericho was so committed to being a heel, he wouldn't make eye contact. And he said it was bothering him because the father was going to him like, come on, why are you being a jerk? It's my son. And Jericho's like, he wouldn't do it because he was so committed at that time. He wanted to be hated by everybody or at least someone in that crowd to think, no, everybody else might be bullshit, but that Jericho, he's an asshole for real. I hate that guy. And that's a dedication to kayfabe that you don't see much anymore. But the few guys that do actually do it get over huge. Like, I would say MJF is the best modern example. 100%. You assume that behind the scenes, he's got to be a good guy. But no matter where he is, he makes you want to hate him. I did want to say, I went off there a little bit, but Cole versus Johnny Gargano from NXT 25 was also on his list. We were there for that in Bridgeport. I think we went with different people, but that was phenomenal. You know, I wasn't planning on NXT being part of these lists, but I'm glad that they are in a way because NXT has really had some of the best modern wrestling of WWE when you look at it that way. Yeah, I would say in the last five years, some of the best matches to come out of the WWE umbrella have to be NXT... NXT UK, the main roster gets some, like that Roman Reigns-Usos match was up there, but NXT and what the takeovers have Mm -hmm. done, they put out some top-notch matches. By the way, as we're recording this, I will tell people they haven't seen, uh, Walter versus Dragunov, NXT UK, my god, people, this is a violent, violent match. Not a violent, like, hardcore match. Like a violent All Japan, New Japan, dump you on your head, chop you as hard as you can, kick you in the face match. So there's a match to see. Recommending it. We don't always talk current stuff here. Check that out. That is something. I saw Cornette put it over with high praise. Yes. And it's not too often you're going to get that kind of reaction from Cornette lately. He wasn't and only one. Not to say that he knows everything and that's telling you the level of match. But if Cornette's getting excited for it, and he's of that old-school opinion, I would say any of our fans would enjoy it. Since, I mean, would you say our fans tend to skew older school when we really get down to it? Yeah, and even, I mean, hate or like him, but Meltzer, who's watched a ton of wrestling, said it was one of the more violent matches he's ever seen, and he absolutely loved it. And so did a lot of the guys at Wrestling Observer. I know Brian Alvarez, and I listened to a show where they all put it over, too. So a lot of people that watch a lot of wrestling, that like wrestling, love this match. Hey, Dave, the big question is, what did PW Insider say about it? You know, I have to get back to you on that. I, I don't recall, you know? Uh, no, no, they're not returning our calls anymore. I got to check my DMs, Joe. Hold on. <laughs> we got a list from Tim Hartford. I'm going to segue into that. TLC, WrestleMania 2017. So that made the list twice. HBK versus Taker 2. I'm assuming that's 26. Savage versus Steamboat, Mania 3. Here's one. Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart, SummerSlam 91. And Hart versus Austin, WrestleMania 13. So, like, we're going to see, I think, Hart versus Austin on a lot of these lists. Maybe all of them. And, you know, we'll see. definitely see a few other Hart matches, but... What was the other one we were talking about before? But, like, Hart versus Perfect, though. That's a nice one. I like that. WrestleMania 91. Uh, SummerSlam yeah. 91. The next list I got up is Kevin Dignam from Rock and Randy's Rock and Wrestling Group. And he has Owen versus Brett, Mania 10. He's 
got Michaels versus Mankind. He thinks it's in your house. Mm. He's got the Rumble 92. He's got Hogan versus Rock, Mania 18. And he's got Austin versus Brett, Mania 13. He is correct, by the way. It is In Your House, Mind Games in Philadelphia. Another good classic match worth checking out. Uh, Mick Foley considers that one of the best matches of his career. So, I guess I'll go ahead next here. I got a list here from my man Jake St. John, friend and poet of the show. He's got Brett versus Owen. I'm going to assume he means Mania 10, but he didn't specify. And again, here we go. Brett versus Steve Austin, I quit match. Taker versus HBK, Hell in a Cell. Brett versus Bulldog. I'm going to assume that's 92 SummerSlam. And RVD. What's that? Brett and Bulldog? Oh, yeah. That's going to come out of this. I'm fucked. <laughs> RVD a, a true testament to what the body can do on crack and push I mean you know I mean Bulldog's the real unsung hero of that match as far as I'm concerned yeah you could do it straight lace like Brett did but if you want to come in completely fucked up and still put on the performance of a lifetime watch what Davy Boy does in that one clinic there's something you should know Mr. Hitman <laughs> I <don't> <laughs> I want to get out this last one. Jake did have RVD versus Cena. This is the one where the sign was in the crowd that says, if Cena wins, we riot. I I mean, that's a surprising list from somebody older. But, I mean, that event was something else. And Mm -hmm. it really was. They would have fucked up if they put Cena over there. They really did. And it's interesting to know. I mean, like, all these other matches, three of them have involved Bret Hart. And one other one is HBT Taker. So, he did go old school for the most part. It was just that RVD Cena match. I think this goes to show Jake is an ECW fan back in the day with Rob Van Dam. And if you look at that environment, I mean, that was an ECW crowd. Although it was a WWE event, I think that was ECW's one-night stand. At the end of the day, I mean, that was just an ECW crowd on a WWE platform. And, you know, it was definitely I, exciting. I forgot about that kind of crossover because ECW was something big for people of our age. Just the matches they put on and some of the wild stunts they pulled so that makes sense 100 percent. who you got baby next up i got char johnson also from rock and randy's rock and wrestling group he had hogan versus andre wrestlemania 3 he had austin versus brett wrestlemania 13 roberts and rick martell the blind <laughs> wow <laughs> deep cut he had mankind versus taker hell in a cell mm. And he had the 89 Rumble, switching it up a little from the 92 Rumble. This guy likes deep cuts, man. Blindfold match was a lot of fun as a kid. I watched that. Good spectacle. Don't know about going back and watching that one. Like, I think I did one time. Really doesn't probably hold up. But, nonetheless, very entertaining. Love those two. It's a perfect example of WWE doing the storytelling aspect of wrestling good. And that was a time where they could get a, a big match out of a story like that no doubt i'm gonna go to my man mike flynn here <clears throat> he's got johnny gargano versus adam cole two out of three falls bret hart versus steve austin wrestlemania 13 hbk versus taker mania 25 johnny gargano versus champa two out of three falls and pete dunn versus tyler Bate for in the uk finals man like I said, I'm glad we included NXT on this list because this is a great example of all those matches he just put on there. All of them classics. Yeah, Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne. That was, that was what? TakeOver Chicago. One, I believe. It might have been two. But it was <laughs> a banger of not only an NXT 
NXT match, but showing what the NXT UK can do. Yeah, I know the match. See, he wrote down UK finals, though, so... So that might be the one in UK, but I know the one you're talking about, and that's the one I think of, too, the one in Chicago. So, phenomenal, man. I definitely stepped on his toes on that list, but, (laughs) I mean, it shows you the variety that they are bringing, and it's good to say. And the one you're talking about in Chicago, Jim Ross actually did the commentary for that match. Oh, wow. He was brought in for that. It was definitely felt special. 100%. Now, I'm going to bring you my list next, because we're going to let big fan of the show, the man from the farm. Yes. AJ talked about taking a plow off him last week with real derogatory <laughs> and shit. Randy, that's your boy. <laughs> you and a couple guys in India aren't going to be saying, AJ's right anymore. No. <laughs> but he's, he's very wrong. Right, me. I got Owen versus Brett. Hold on, I'm taking a curve here, so I don't... <laughs> I want to take a minute before I look down at my next story. Yeah, baby, don't wreck that car. <laughs> I got Razor versus Sean in the ladder match. I got the Rumble 92. I've got Steamboat versus Savage, WrestleMania 3. And for my final match, I've got Mankind Taker, Hell in a Cell. It's hard to dispute. Oh, good list, my friend. I'm going to uh, hit you with mine, and we're going to main event with Randy. This will be fun here. I'm going to put Bret Hart, Austin, WrestleMania 13. This will be a little different. I'm going to throw a couple other matches out there that didn't make this list. Bret Hart, Rowdy Piper, WrestleMania 8. Randy Savage, Ric Flair, WrestleMania 8. Not I one... wanted to put that in for the buildup that it had. That yeah. was one of my favorite buildups in history. My, my, overall, not one of the better WrestleMania, but those two matches made that mania for me. Another fun one. Bret Hart. I believe it was the December in your house. Oh, God. Might have been uh, 95 against the British Bulldog. They were in Philadelphia. They ended up bleeding. So another fun match right there. So uh, yeah, I am winging this one here. So we got the three Bret Hart matches. Savage Flair. You know what? If you're going to put in some of the greatest WWF matches of all time, I guess I got to include Savage Steamboat as well. WrestleMania 3. So. Yeah, I Solid list. Savage Steamboat is a hard one to leave out. If mm. you're thinking about all these other matches you're going to let in, if you haven't let in Savage Steamboat, what are you doing? Yeah, no, I mean, I could have definitely... I want to have a little variety on my list. At the end of the day, I mean, Zach put out a good one there with that Jericho-HBK match. You know, most of my best WF matches are either include Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels or some variation. It's really ironic, too, given the problems they had back in the 90s. But those two are, like, by far, along with Steamboat and Savage, like my favorite workers throughout the WWF history. 100%. And the last list we got you is from Randy Oscar. He's got Savage versus Steamboat, WrestleMania 3. Austin versus Hart, WrestleMania 13. Taker versus Michaels, WrestleMania 25. Brett versus Owen, WrestleMania 10. And for his last pick, he's got Michaels versus Razor Ramon, WrestleMania 10 ladder match. Good solid list by my man Randy. And as far as I'm concerned, Austin and Brett's got to go to the finals. They were on everybody's list that I saw, and near everybody's list. So we got Austin, Brett making that list. And then, I don't know, man, HBK Taker, uh, Mania 25? Yeah, I, both matches have made it onto a few lists but i think i saw 25 on a couple more yeah i would agree and then i'm gonna say savage steamboat i think all right so what are we playing with for a top three again heart and austin wrestlemania 13 savage steamboat three taker hbk 25 that's a good top three i'm 
I'm almost feeling nervous having to pick which one we got to knock off first. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, man, I don't know. You know, the fact that Savage and Steamboat has stood the test of time, I kind of want to keep them in there. So I, I'm thinking maybe vote off Taker and HBK, just because Austin and HBK, uh, Austin and Brett made everybody's list. That was going to be my pick as well, just because that Austin match was so big. And yeah. obviously we've put over how big Savage and Steamboat is, so it would... It would feel real weird to boot it for Michaels and Taker. Taking nothing away from that match, no. but when you get down to these top threes, a lot of the times it's you're putting big matches together, and obviously some aren't going to hold the places that others do. And Taker versus Michaels just ain't going to make it this week, folks. They ain't. They got to go. <laughs> they got to go home, but you got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned. a couple other times this week, but we won't get into that, folks. <laughs> That's right. All right, I am going to say my vote is, as much as I love the classic Steamboat Savage, that catch-as-catch-can, that wrestling, that back-and-forth, the chain, I'm going to go with HB... I'm sorry, HBK. I'm going to go with Bret Hart and Austin, Mania 13. I like the violence, a little bit of blood, the I quit. It's good shit. I gotta disagree with you and I'm going Wrestlemania 3 just because it's early on in the Wrestlemania's development Mm. and I'd say of the first three Wrestlemania's would you call this the best quality match by that point? Sure I mean it's definitely one of the better matches in WWF history it's one of the best matches in history all these matches are amazing and it stood the test of time and that's why I would vote for it to go over, but I've got to agree with you that Brett and Austin, it also happened at a WrestleMania, and it happened at a time when they kind of took WrestleMania beyond, like, to a next level. Like, when you go from WrestleMania 1 to 2, it was amazing that they put on a second one, but then you're getting down to what? It was 13 that Austin and yep. uh, Brett was at? And if you consider by that time what they were doing for business, how things were going to go to the next level with Austin, Mm -hmm. I think that's why Austin Brett has to win as much as I love Steamboat Savage. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I guess the fact that it was about to propel Austin's career is what makes you kind of lean towards it, too, a little bit. You know, so um, really hard. to. It's kind of a pick you know, gun to my head. You know, ask me another day, I might change my mind. But today I'm going... Brett and Austin. So that's it, folks. All right, folks. You know what the music means. Thank you for joining us for another week of the 531. And as always, get a hold of us on Twitter. Get a hold of us on Facebook. You know where to find us. We're tearing it up on the All Everything Entertainment Podcast Network. We got a live show. You know where to find us. Come check our ass out, and we'll see you next week. Get fucked. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Anderson, and you are listening to the Working Fans Podcast. Hey everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast. This is Dave, and today we got a very special guest, former Money in the Bank winner, former U.S. champion, former Impact Heavyweight champion, has his own wrestling school, Mr. Ken Anderson. Ken, how you doing? I'm great, how are you? I'm great, man, I'm great. Running around, you know how it goes. Got a little work today, so... <laughs> 
right, let's just get, you know, one thing about you that jumps off the page to me, first time I saw you with the microphone gimmick and everything, I just thought, man, this guy is super charismatic and comfortable. And like, usually I ask people, like, what got him into wrestling or broke into wrestling? But with you, I'm kind of curious, were you just always a good talker? You know, something I always sort of gravitated to, I remember being a very little kid, and I, I always did well with, like, speech class and stuff like that. I was always into acting. Even when I wasn't acting for, like, a school play or something like that, I was, you know, I would watch movies, and I would recite the movies to my friends and family, and I would tell jokes, and so it was something that I always just sort of... And then when I fell in love with wrestling, I fell in love with guys like Steve Austin and The Rock and people that were very good talkers. And then when I got into the business, that was something that I focused on at any time that I could possibly get an opportunity to speak on a microphone or in front of a camera. I always practiced it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You definitely felt very comfortable. Like, even the first time I saw you in WWE, which, I, I mean, when you got to WWE, how many years had you been working? I had been working for about six years at that point. Six years, okay. So you've been a little bit, yeah. And it was like I, I had done all these tryouts, or they're not really even tryouts. WWE doesn't technically have tryouts, but I get opportunities to go work as an extra every few months. And I did that for five years or so. And by the time I had my last one of those before I got hired, I remember just, I just felt like I had been in the business long enough and I had enough stuff in my back pocket from promos that I had cut and the experiences that I had that when I got there, I felt like, you know, I, I, the whole way there, the whole ride getting there, I just wanted to be there. Right. And then when I got there, I was actually glad that it had taken me so long because, you know, I had had a ton of experiences, both negative and positive, and those negatives helped mold me into the person, you know, that you saw. Absolutely. I mean, I think that goes with life anyway, right? I mean, you, uh, you take these negatives that we endure and you become a better person for it a lot of times. Yep. I, I don't know that he was necessarily the one that should get credit for this quote, but I've heard that people say Thomas Edison said, I know 200 ways not to make a light bulb. Yeah, and I tell people all the time, like, I mean, I have my own business, like, delivering bread, and I used to work in stores, and I've been a manager of people, and I always said, you know, I learn more from making mistakes sometimes than actually doing well. Like, I don't learn much from doing well, but when I screw up, I go, oh, okay, I remember not to do that again. <laughs> exactly. You, you have to. I mean, for the most part, every successful person out there, unless they're successful because they inherited a bunch of money from their family, and that's it, most of those people have had to They've had multiple failures, and they've tried and failed and tried and failed. Every time they fail, they grow closer to understanding what they need to do to not fail. Mm. And I would say timing has a lot to do with things sometimes in life, too. Totally, totally. The timing, speaking of the timing issue, Dr. Tom used to say that luck is where preparation and opportunity meet. Right. And if you, the harder you work, the luckier you seem to get. If you put yourself in positions more, and the more times you put yourself in those situations, and... As long as you continue to prepare and you continue to try to better yourself, one of those, one of these days you will get an opportunity and you'll be in the right place at the right time. And then suddenly you're an overnight sensation, you're an overnight success. Even though, you know, like I said, it took me six years to get there. Right. I was actually saying because uh, I was doing a little research. It looked like you can confirm this or not. Like one of the big things that helped you was running into Paul Heyman. Like he was a big supporter of yours. He was. He really was. And I had... I had met Brock Lesnar on one of my little extra deals for the WWE and we took a liking to each other and he actually, because I live in Minnesota and I live in Minnesota at the time, he said, well, I'm gonna 
I want to get you in touch with Brad Rangan. So he, he sort of helped to connect those dots. Brad Rangan has trained, you know, a ton of oh, yeah. WWE, you know, the nasty boys. He trained, you know, had a hand in training Kurt Hennig. He had a hand in training Joe Hennig. Yeah, legit guy too. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. He was an amateur wrestler that went, was supposed to go to the 1980 Olympics until the president got Carter boycotted at the Olympics. But anyway, he connected those dots. So I went and at that time I had been in the business for about three years, but I went there and sort of worked on polishing my craft a little more. And, and then, so when Paul Heyman saw me working in the ring one day at Raw taping, he pulled me aside and said, you know, I like what I see. Who trained you? And I said, Brad Rangan's trained me. Well, I said, first I got trained by two guys in, in Green Bay, and then I went to Brad's school, and he immediately lit up, and he was like, I love Brad, I know Brad. You know, obviously Brock was a, was a Brad Rangan guy. Right. And, you know, that sort of started a, a relationship between us, and he, I remember him pulling for me that day. He wanted me to get in the pre-tape room and do some promos. He wanted me to cut a baby face and a heel promo, and he actually sat down and worked with me for like 30 to 45 minutes on examples of what I can say and how I can portray it. This is what he's looking for. It ended up not happening because normally at Raw or SmackDown or pay-per-view, there's a million other things. There's all these moving parts and it just didn't fit. There were other things more pressing. Um, so I didn't do it, but we sort of kept in touch. And then when I finally did get hired by the WWE, and then about five or six months after they fired Jim Cornette, right. Paul Heyman came down and then Paul immediately pulled me aside and said, I'm, I'm a fan of yours, I've been a fan of yours, we're going to do stuff. And he said, you're going to be on TV shortly. And then five weeks later, I was on TV, I was making my debut for SmackDowns. Now, you know, it's kind of like, besides, I think we're touching on all the keys to success here. Work hard, bide your time, take negatives into positives, and besides time, and I think networking too, meeting the right people and staying in contact, you know? It absolutely, it has, a, you know, being successful in this business as is the case with every other business who you know and those relationships that you have with people it's, if you're known as being a dick you're not gonna you're probably not gonna get work right absolutely unless you are just so special and right. you're a monster or you have some sort of talent that nobody else can possess I think that's a big thing because I think a lot of times as fans we look at this like this dream larger than life thing which it is but it also is a job like you do have to to apply like regular things like you have to get along with people you have to show up you have to be dependable like those are all qualities that you still need I would imagine to be a successful pro wrestler like anything I feel like throughout my life throughout my career I've been in the business now for 21 years Yeah, I run into people all the time and family members friends ex-family members ex-friends that all seem to think that because my job is cool and it's not the normal 9 to 5 and I get to travel and I get to occasionally when I'm in a town and I have some time to kill I I can go out to eat and experience the local culture and do cool things that they think that it's not actually a job that I'm just out dicking the dog right. and at the end of the day this is a job first and foremost mm. this is my career this is a profession you have to act professionally and you when you're trying to get a job you have to present yourself professionally too I think some people you know Tommy Dreamer used to talk because Tommy Dreamer was in the office at WWE yeah WWE <laughs> and he said that he used to get some just atrocious videos and letters from people that looked like you know a three year old had stuck a crayon up his butt and squatted over a piece of paper and wrote out this statement and 
cobbled together this crappy video and sent it to him and was expecting to potentially get a, a sniff. Wow. It's just not the way it goes. No. You know, one thing I was curious to ask you about, again, we're all human, you know, and like you, you guys come off like larger than life, but like, you know, this is your career, but it's also kind of a dream job, I imagine, too. And it's like you're meeting like a guy's like Vince McMahon. I got to imagine first time. In, that, is that intimidating or is that not you? Are you intimidated still a little bit by that? So I remember, do, do you know who Dick Marcinko is? No, I do not know that name, actually. So he was the the leader or the developer of SEAL Team 6. Oh, okay. So he was the guy that had had all this experience and who put together this, you know, the elite of the elite, basically. Right. And one of my friends that I used to work with had told me that he met him at one point. He said, you just, he said, the hair stood up on the back of his neck and he sort of just looks through you. Huh. And he has this just presence about him. And honestly, the first time I met Vince McMahon, you know, not like the death stare or anything like that. I don't think he's seen a lot of death in his life. Right. He hasn't done bad things to bad people, but it was that just sort of, this guy is, he's something else. Right. That's the case with a lot of people who are uber successful. Mm -hmm. You meet The Rock, anybody who's ever met The Rock just oozes charisma out of every single pore and just presents himself, he holds himself like, you know, larger than like human beings. Yeah, they own the room. Exactly. Yeah. You went to Impact Wrestling after WWE, and uh, I was going to say, you got in there at a pretty decent time, too. There was a lot of talent. Like, I was looking back, like, Hulk Hogan, I want to say, was there at the time, Kurt Angle. That was a very large roster. We had Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Rick Flair, Mick Foley, you know, and then you've got, like, the Samoa Jogles and AJ yeah. Styles, and right. Eric Youngs, all the originals, Bobby Roode, Christopher Daniels, and Frank Kazarian, and... And then you had all these with Jeff Hardy. Matt Hardy came in shortly after I was there. It was, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, and they put the world title on you at that time, too. I mean, that had to be a pretty good feeling. They did. It was, it was a good, you know, and, and at the time, like, looking back on it, I was a, I was an idiot. And I sort of squandered those opportunities, I think. Mm. Because I was in a kind of a bad place at the time. And I had kind of fallen out of love with the wrestling business. I was in this sort of woe is me. I was bitter that I had been fired from WWE. I remember after I won the title, I did an interview and somebody asked me, you know, like, do you see yourself, where do you see yourself in five years or something like that? I said, at the time, I said, if I'm still wrestling in five years, somebody please shoot me. <laughs> and then I went on to say something to the effect of, you know, basically, I, I said that people in the wrestling fight and backstab each other over this title that's actually just a prop, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, things like that, so... Yeah, you weren't in the best spot, obviously, at the time, but you got better. I did. Yeah. Yep. I don't want to feel that way now. Yeah, no, I can tell. I know, you know, that's good, man. I think, you know, that's like you said, we all got to go through that stuff in life sometimes. One thing I noticed, this is going to be a little random, I was always curious about it because I remember your theme music in WWE had kind of this rock feeling to it, and I actually... And doing a little preparation for this, I, I looked at your Facebook and you had filled out this thing and you said, I don't usually do this. And it was like one of those like favorite bands, last concerts you've been to. And have you always been a big like, you know, classic rock kind of guy? You know, honestly, I like everything. Nice. I, I really do. I really like everything. But I guess 80s, 90s, hair metal is my Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Queensryche. You're uh, born in 76, right? 
I was. Yeah, I am too. So you, that's all, that's why I took notice of that. So that's yeah. Yeah, but if you look at those concerts that I wrote down, I mean, it's a pretty eclectic. Yeah. Music, so. I mean, you did have Beyonce in there, but you had mentioned that the wife was a fan, I believe. <laughs> oh yeah, Beyonce. She loves Beyonce. So yeah. Like if, if Beyonce ever comes, we're going. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey. My radar, I have my feelers out there for Beyonce tickets when, they, when she comes around. <laughs> what was it like? I meant to ask you this too. What was it like working with Hulk Hogan? How was that? It, it was amazing, and looking back on it, it was more amazing than I kind of realized at the time. Mm. I think. And again, I was in that sort of bad place, so at the time it was just like, I'm just this is a job, like any other job, mm. not a big deal. I didn't really, I didn't really realize, you know, I, I, just a few months ago, or about a year ago, I just I happened to. I was trying to find one of my matches on the WWE Network to show my students, and then I kind of got lost on this rabbit hole of all these matches that I had had, and I honestly, like, I had forgotten about Sean Holmes and wrestling Ric Flair, all the times I wrestled The Undertaker. Right. It's kind of crazy, but it's just strange that at the time, I didn't really think much of it. Just a job. Yeah, right. You're in the moment where, like you said, you may be in a bad place. And yeah, you can certainly, as you get older and you look back, I'm sure you develop a definite appreciation for that. Because how many people have done that, you know? Exactly, definitely. So now you're uh, with NWA Power. I grew up a wrestling fan. I loved WWE. I was a Northeastern guy, but God, NWA was right there for me. Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes. How's it feel to be working with, uh, with the NWA and Billy Corgan and that group? It's pretty awesome. And I really love working for Billy and Dave. I've had good experiences across the board working with those guys in the past. I, one of my favorite things that I've ever done was work program where Billy Corgan was the, you know, was the, basically the uh, in charge of creative on that. And so I'm just, I'm really glad that the company is doing as well as it is right now, and that people are all, people are enjoying the product, and that people, I think, having the one hour program leaves people wanting more and that's a good place to be in 100 i will say as a fan nwa power is right up there now like my, my favorite shows personally are nxt it's wrestling heavy and nwa power and another show i like is mlw and one of the reasons why nwa and mlw is like they're about an hour long easy digest fun show i feel like for some reason in this day and age you can't just go to a two-hour movie anymore or an hour and a half long movie mm. everything has to be two and a half hours and it's exhausting to me Right. And I say that knowing perfectly well that I will sit down and binge watch. Like, the latest one we watched on Netflix was you. I watched eight episodes in a day. <laughs> but just, I don't know. There's something, but I, I always, I'm a firm believer in less is more. Yep. More is less. I wish that, I, I sort of feel like, it's not just wrestling, it's just entertainment is really oversaturated right now. And you mm-hmm. Just give people a taste of it. Let them let them want more. Don't always have to give them. You know, we don't need four hours a week. Oh yeah. One show. I don't think. No. I agree totally. Actually, a little off topic. I'm somewhat of a Star Wars nerd too, and uh, the Mandalorian, which we like, is a good good show. It came out once a week, and I had younger friends. Again, I'm 43, who were complaining, saying, "Oh, we got to wait a week to watch this." And I'm like, "That's I love that." <laughs> yeah. I long for the days that I, I remember I used to watch WWE Raw yeah. and at the time it was like that was the only thing really on TV I think there was Nitro was on I didn't really watch Nitro at the time 
but I remember something would happen at the end of Raw that would be a major cliffhanger, and you would like, no, what's going on? I remember seeing Austin going up the ramp after one of his successes, and Shawn Michaels came out and super kicked him on top of the ramp, and he left like, oh my God, what's going to happen next week? And so all week we would go to work and we would talk about like what's going to happen next week. And then when they introduced SmackDown, I remember at the time at work, wrestling was just huge. I was a nuclear security officer, so we get, you know, we had to sit in a box for like 12 hours a night, and that's all we would do is phone each other and talk about wrestling and talk about other stuff. But then SmackDown came around, I remember a bunch of the guys just sort of falling off. Like, uh, I can do Monday nights, but, you know, my wife hates it when I'm... Yeah. She already doesn't like it, and she's not going to let me watch <laughs> two nights a week. So then they would start... And at the time, the, the brands weren't split. The split wouldn't come for a really long time after that. So it was like, you watch Raw, and then if you didn't watch SmackDown, by the time Monday rolled around again, there had been a bunch of stuff that took place that you would sort of be in the dark about. Mm. I think a lot of people started falling off there. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I think, yeah, it's just overkill. The Monday Night Wars were successful. They were awesome. They were competitive. But also, that was the beginning of having a pay-per-view every month, too. That's another thing I... I've never been a big fan of it. Mean, the pay-per-views just sort of get watered down. And mm-hmm. I remember being at WWE at the time, it was like we would do a pay-per-view, and then the next day we would already be like scrambling to decide what we were going to do, how we were going to promote the next pay-per-view. Cause the next mm-hmm. pay-per-view is a month or sometimes even less than that full month, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a fan of the three, uh, four pay-per-views a year. I really, I think that gives you three months really build storyline for the next one. Less is more, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Sweet spot. I think uh, UFC and MMA sometimes, I'm a fan of that too, and they have the same issue now too. There's a pay-per-view every month, and I, I wish it was just back to a big fight feeling. And wrestling has that big fight feeling too sometimes. And to me, like when you get that electricity in the air, there's just nothing better, and that's hard to do when you're doing it every month. However, it's not lost on me that, what do I know? I'm, a, I'm not a billionaire. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> They're making money. <laughs> Something right. It works. Well, we'll go over a couple more quick questions. I'll let you go soon. Uh, One thing I'm curious about this day and age, obviously, ah, man, maybe in the last 10 years, social media. I mean, how much are you using that now compared to, say, when you, like, you know, were first in WWE? I got to imagine, like, you must use social media a lot more now. You have to. You really, you just like it or leave it, you know, love it or hate it. You have to have it nowadays. Yeah. I hate having to constantly self-promote. I think we're, it kind of pisses me off that we're in this age of, look at me, it's very narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, basically everybody's taking pictures of what cool stuff they're doing, <laughs> shouting at the world, look at the cool stuff that I'm doing that you're not doing. Uh, you know, look at all the fun that I'm having without you. Yeah. And I know it's not all that, but it just kind of sucks that altruism sort of gone out the window. You know, if I give money to a homeless person on the street, I don't need to tweet about it. I don't need to tell somebody about it. Just do it. Right. But, you know, I realize that you know, all, stuff like that also raises awareness for other people to think, oh, I should probably do that too. So I get it, but, you know, it's I'm torn. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm the same way. I mean, I think there's a lot of good that can come with it, but there's also a um, 
you know, I mean, I, I was telling somebody, I mean, you can probably relate to this too. Like, you know, when you're a kid, you maybe you insult somebody or you get into a fight or you pick on somebody and you're going to have a reaction. You might feel bad. You might go, oh, I shouldn't do that. Nowadays, kids just type something online, social media, make fun of that kid, walk away, feel great. They're not learning any remorse. They're not learning anything. It's just like, it very, it does create a toxic environment as well. It does. And I realize that it's not all that way and there's a lot of positive results too, but Mm-hmm. It just, I, I think it's there's a spotlight that shines on that negativity, right? And those people who the trolls that just go on and say just the most vicious, awful things to other human beings. Yeah, like you said, there's no accountability. Like, mm-hmm. and words hurt sometimes. You know? I don't know what you go soon. So uh, why don't we talk about your school? Tell us what it's like to be a trainer and how everything's going with the school. So I absolutely love it, and I love it more than I ever thought I would. Mm. Um, it was something that I always sort of wanted to do once I felt like I got enough experience under my belt that I could pass that knowledge on to other people. But uh, we opened the school in 2016. I've had about 250 people come through our doors to at least attempt to be a professional wrestler. Of that 250, we've had 25 graduate, not a huge success rate, about 10% success rate, which I like. Uh, we, we do not run a your typical, you know, you go to Taekwondo, they tell you, within two and a half years, you'll have your black belt. Well, mm. we, don't, we don't run that way. Right. Put my staff of approval on you, which is what the graduation thing is. Hey, I trained this person. I want to be able to know this person is good to go. And they're not going to, you know, if you book them on your show, they're going to give you a good product, good performance. So, yeah, we train Monday through Thursday, 7 p.m. till... Class is usually from 7 to 9, 7 to 10, 7 to 11, depends on the day. And then I, I give them open gym, so I allow them to just kind of hang out. They can watch tapes, they can talk to each other, be around like-minded people, cut promos, work on the stuff that we went over in class. And then you know, I try to help them get in to the point where they can present themselves to promoters and, and try to get working. Right now there's about 10 different promotions that run in the Twin Cities on a regular basis. So it's there, there's a ton of opportunity for guys to, okay, when you're ready, just get out there and start working in front of a small crowd, but a live crowd. That's great. If anybody's interested, we have a website, which is the Academy Pro Wrestling at gmail.com. And you can email info at the Academy Pro Wrestling.com, or you can call or text our number, which is 507 507- Seven two 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 seven seven six. Follow us on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Just the Academy S O P W. Um, you know. And uh, if you're interested, give us a buzz, text us, call us, send us an email, and we'll try to figure out what we need to do to make your dreams a reality. That's awesome, Ken. Is there anything else you want to promote before you go? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I just started up uh, my. YouTube channel again, which is Ken Anderson. We're going to start putting out some content there. I did some videos after I left WWE that got some recognition and it just got to the point where it was you know, it was a lot of work and I'm sort of ready to jump back in both feet. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Ken. You've been great. Ken, that was awesome. Home run. Thank you so much for being gracious with your time. I ran around today and you made it all worth it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, have a great day, bud. 
All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 